This program is brought to you by Bobbleway Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd with Opening the Scriptures. I want to welcome you to the program. You know, this is a new year. And a lot of things happen in the new year. You know, we've had struggles. We've had joy in the previous year. We've had sorrow. We've had happiness. But now we face this new year with all of its unknowns. We don't know what's going to happen this year in our lives. Could we put God higher in priority in our lives this year? Could we promote God this year? Will this be the year, the last year on earth for me? It will be for many. Now we can be certain that Satan is going to do his best to influence us away from God this year. But this year, just as every year of our lives, we are in a free-for-all, no-holds-barred, winner-take-all fight for our souls. And the battle is real. No one gets out of this world alive physically unless Jesus comes first. And few get out alive spiritually. Matthew seven thirteen and 14 informs us of that. Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So only few will get out of this world spiritually alive. You know, 2022 was the year that determined the eternal destiny of multitudes of people. So will 2023 be the year that will determine my eternal destination? Am I going to put God first in my life in 2023? Well, there are several things that can happen. You know, maybe I'm not a Christian. Will this be the year that you become a Christian? Well, what is a Christian? In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, Acts chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 26, it says, when, when he had found him, that being Barnabas, had found Saul of Tarsus, verse 25 tells us that, <clears throat> he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. A disciple is a learner or a pupil. The word Christian, according, and these are Strong's definitions, that is a follower of Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 6, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said there, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
So if we are going to be a learner or a pupil or a follower of Christ, in other words, a Christian, there are some things that we have to do, and we'll look at those momentarily. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 first. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. If we are a Christian, then Christ is going to be our head. He's going to be our ruler. He's going to be our Lord. And then in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, it says there, Of God the Father, hath put all things under his feet, that being Christ, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So again, if we are a Christian, then we are a member of the church that Christ established. And what that simply means is that we will obey and we will follow Christ. You see, once we become a Christian, we have to do what it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke 9, 23. Jesus speaking. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, you have to count the cost. Do you really want to be a Christian? Well, the question could be this. Do you really want to go to heaven? Do you really want to put God first in your life? Well, the answer is, if you want to become a Christian, if you want to put God first in your life, or as Jesus said, if any man will come after me, we've got to deny ourselves. People out there in this world want wealth, they want prestige, they want honor, they want fame, whatever it may be. No, we've got to deny ourselves. Take up our cross daily. Taking up the cross means to put to death. You're about to die. We put ourselves to death daily so that we can live for Christ. Galatians 2.20 might be a good example of that. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I put myself to death daily. I take up my cross daily. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm not dead. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, following Christ. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So yes, we are crucified with Christ. We're to crucify ourselves daily if we're going to put God first in our life and if we're going to go to heaven. Those are requirements. Those are not suggestions. 
So how do I become a Christian? If I'm going to put God first in my life, become a Christian this year, what do I have to do? Romans 10:17 is the starting point. Romans 10:17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we want to become a follower of Christ, we have to know what the word of God says. Because in John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So if we're going to want to know how to live this life in order that we are pleasing to God, we have to hear the word of God. Because the word of God is where it tells us where and how to become a child of God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is another step. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. That verse tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if we develop faith through what we see in the Word of God, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We're looking for heaven, yes. The evidence of things not seen. There is evidence of God in this world that He is the Creator. We can't see Him, but we see evidence of Him. In James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity or overflowing of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. We have to hear the word of God. We have to engraft the word of God in our hearts before we can have salvation. So we have to hear the word of God. That's the Bible. It's not anybody's creed book. It's not anybody's you know, anything, it's just the Bible. It's not the apostolic creed. It's not the Baptist standard manual. It's not the Methodist discipline. It's not the Catholic catechism. It's not the Book of Mormon. It's not the uh, Islam's book there of the Koran. None of those things amount to a hill of beans or to one little bean whenever it comes to salvation. We have to hear the word of God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Acts 17, 30. You know, if we hear the word of God and we believe it, we become a follower of Christ there. Acts 17, 30 says there's something else that we must do. And the times of this ignorance God winked at or overlooked, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Repentance is a change of attitude that leads to a change of life. Whenever we repent, 
we turn away from those old works of sin and we turn to God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after those that were there had heard Peter's sermon that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that they had crucified him, in verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? The first thing told, Peter told them to do was repent. You have to repent. You have to change your life. You know, there are people out there, and I've heard them say it, and you probably have too. Well, God will just have to accept me as I am. He made me this way. You know what that is? That's trying somebody trying to justify them being a sinner. Having sin in their lives. They don't want to change. They just say, God made me this way. No, that's not the case. But God requires us to change, to repent. And then in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Romans 10 9 and 10, we see another thing that we must do if we want to have salvation. It says that if thou shalt confess thy, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, unto, you're getting there, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So unto, we're going unto something, and that is salvation, and that is that confession. When you go back to Acts chapter 8, and you look at Philip and the eunuch here, and I want to begin reading in verse 36, Acts eight thirty-six. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's a confession that we have to make if we want to have salvation. We also saw salvation there in Romans 10, or excuse me, confession there in Romans 10, 9 and 10. But we also see here that the eunuch asked the question, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? Why did the eunuch want to be baptized? Well, we'll notice that after the eunuch made that confession in verse 37 and verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. There has to be a reason for baptism, else why would the eunuch request it, and else why would Philip have taught baptism? Well, it goes back to what Peter said there in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
The word for there is the word ace. It's the same word that is used in Romans 10, 9 and 10 when it says that confession is made unto salvation. So unto. Now another place that we find the purpose for baptism is Acts 22, 16. Ananias is here speaking to Saul of Tarsus and he said, Arise, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. The act of baptism washes away sin. And whenever we are baptized, that is when the Lord adds us to his church. We go back to Acts chapter 2. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You come down to verse 47, speaking of the same people, praising God and having favor with all, the, with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So the Lord adds us to his church whenever we are baptized for the remission of our sins. We're not voted upon by any group of people or anything like that. We are immersed in water for the remission of sins and the Lord adds us to his church. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21 Peter says there the like figure and that's the figure of Noah and the flood in the ark and we'll go ahead and read verse 20 which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. And then by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we, just as Noah and his family were saved by water, baptism saves us, that immersion in water. Now there are those who will try to say, and I've read this, weren't they really saved by the ark? Well, what are we talking about here? Noah and his family were saved from the filth of the sinful world by the water because the water washed the sinful world away just as baptism washes the sin in our life away. So if you haven't done these things, you're not a Christian. You don't belong to Christ. And if you have put off obeying the Christ or the gospel, obeying Christ, obeying the gospel, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for something. What is it? Why don't you put God first in your life this year? You know, are you waiting maybe because you want to sow your wild oats now and then turn to Christ later in life? Well, I'll have plenty of time. I'm young. I've got plenty of time. I'll just do it later. Well, maybe we need to pay attention to some things that the Bible has to say. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, 
Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So what do we want to reap? Do we want to reap destruction by sowing wild oats and things such as that? By waiting, saying, I've got plenty of time. I'm going to live life the way I want to live it now. Later, I'll turn to God. No. You're sowing to your destruction. It's time to sow righteousness so that you can have everlasting life. In Acts chapter 24, verse 25, Acts 24, 25, Paul is here before Felix and Drusilla. And it says, as he reasoned with righteousness, or of, of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. The American Standard says Felix was terrified. And answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. See, that's the attitude of a lot of people. Oh, I know that. I need to be saved and I know that someday I'm going to be I'm going to do what but I'm going to wait for that convenient season see I've got a lot of things I want to do first well as far as we know that convenient season for Felix never came that convenient season never comes in Acts 26 28 and 29 <clears throat> Paul is here before King Agrippa and Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. And Paul said in verse 29, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds, such as I am being faithful. You've probably heard the song, <clears throat> Almost Persuaded. What does almost persuaded result in? Well, what the song says, almost but lost. So you're waiting because you're not convinced that what the Bible says is the way to be a Christian? You know, you hear from men all the time, all you have to do to be saved is accept Jesus as your personal Savior and pray a sinner's prayer. Well, people that say that have misunderstood what God plainly commands. So in the year 2023, will you put God first and listen to Him? Or are you just going to keep obeying human error? Are you waiting because you're shy and you don't want to be in front of a crowd? Well, you know, if you haven't played or obeyed the gospel, you are playing Russian roulette with your soul. And if you don't know what Russian roulette is, it's taking a pistol and putting one bullet in the gun. And you spin it, and you put it to your head, and you pull the trigger. Now, if it's a six-shooter, you've got five chances that it's not a bullet, but you've got one that it is. You know, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. It says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? People are exchanging a lot of things for their soul. They're exchanging drugs, alcohol, sex, tobacco, you name it. They're exchanging these things for their soul. The lottery, wealth, honor, pride, on and on and on we could go. So, you know, the congregation always sings an invitation song at the end of a service to encourage those who are not Christians to put on their Lord in baptism. But you don't have to wait for that. If you want to put your Lord on in baptism, there are always people who are ready to help you do that. Just give someone a call or go down to the local Church of Christ and let them help you become a child of God. Well, maybe you are a Christian. You have already done those things, but really you're not dedicated your life. You haven't dedicated your life to Christ. You see, you haven't put God first. Well, why not do that this year? Will this be the year that you rededicate your life to Christ? You know, some examples, can your attendance to worship services and Bible classes be better this year than they have been? You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. <clears throat> it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, maybe there's still sin in your life and you haven't repented of that. And you need to do that this year. <clears throat> you know, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why don't we do what Jesus says? We've already seen he's not going to accept us just as we are if we're not willing to change and follow him. In Hebrews chapter 10, look at verses 26 through 31. Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. We looked at verse 25 a while ago. Verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. In other words, Christ's blood will cleanse us from our sins. And keep your marker here in Hebrews 10 and go over to 1 John. Verse 7 says of chapter 1 of 1 John, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. 
But here we see in Hebrews 10.26, willful sin. So if we sin willfully after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, once we become a Christian, then we sin willfully, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, the blood of Christ does not continue to cleanse. It has stopped cleansing. We've fallen away. But what's the expectation? Verse 27, But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Then he gives an example. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye that he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite or insult to the Spirit of grace. You know, we look at this verse and if we have or we are not picking up our cross daily, denying ourselves daily, and we have willful sin in our lives, we see there is sore punishment coming for us. Verse 30, For we know him that said, hath said, Vengeance belongeth to me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If we don't put God first in our lives, it is going to be a fearful thing to fall into his hands because we are going to leave this life. Whether we die or whether the Lord comes first, we're, either way, we are going to meet him in judgment. In 2 Peter chapter 2, look at verses 20 to 22. 2 Peter 2, 20-22. It says there, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is a Christian. They are again entangled therein and overcome. There is the willful sin. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it happened is happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. God is describing a Christian who is not faithful. Here through the pen of Peter. A Christian those that have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But then they go back to their old lifestyle, just like a dog going back to its vomit and a clean sow going back to the mud. God is describing what it looks like to him for a Christian to return to his old life. He said it had been better for him not to have ever known it, not to have ever known it, why? Well, you think about this. Whenever we are a Christian, we have been baptized for the remission of our sins, and we are living faithful to God, we have salvation. But if we turn back to our old lifestyle, we turn back into sin, we eat the vomit, we wallow in the mud, 
on the day of judgment, whenever we are sent to eternal punishment, we're going to have an eternity to remember I had salvation and I lost it. That will be a never-ending thought in our minds. But you know, God wants to forgive us. While we're here close, let's go to 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants to forgive us. In Acts chapter 8, verses 21 and 22. Acts chapter 8, verses 21 and 22. It says there, this is Peter speaking to Simon the sorcerer. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Simon the sorcerer here, he was, he converted, he became a Christian. But his heart wasn't right. He had no part nor lot in it. And Peter said, repent. Well, what was his reasoning? Verse 23, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And what was Simon's request? Verse 24, Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which thou have spoken come upon me. What did he do? He repented. And he wanted a brother in Christ to pray for him. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to help those who are living unfaithfully, help to pray for them that their sins would be forgiven if they are willing to repent of that. Well, maybe there's something else in our lives. Maybe you fail to speak to someone about Christ. You see, if you put God first in your life, you're going to do that. You know, that is commanded a couple of different places. How about Mark 16, 15, and 16? Mark 16, 15, and 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Who is to go? Christians. You go over to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to look there in verse 1. Acts 8 1 says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, that being Stephen. And at that time there was great persecution against the church which was in Jer at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Verse 4 says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They were being persecuted severely, and yet wherever they went, they taught the word of God. And that is something that we must be doing as well. 
In 2 Corinthians, look at chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We might say, according to whether we put God first in our life or not. Verse 11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Persuade men. Persuade them in what? Politics? Sports? No. In the gospel. And he says, But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. We need to be telling others about the word of God. So don't put off making your life right with God. Don't put off making God first in your life this year. You know that same in that same invitation song that congregations offer at the end of services for the one that has not been baptized into Christ for the one that is not a Christian. In that same song, you are encouraged to make your life right with God. If you are an erring child of God, you can return to Him. But as we saw in Acts chapter 8, you don't have to wait till then. You may need the prayers of a brother in Christ right now so that God will forgive you and accept you back into His flock from which you have been rejected. Well, you might ask the question, why do we encourage people to make their lives right with God? Why do we encourage people to make God first in their lives? Well, you know, this year could be the year the Lord returns. We don't know. There are no signs for the coming of Christ. We look back over in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And you look down in verse 42. It says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. We don't know when he's coming. He could come this year. Look at Matthew 24 and let's look at verses 36 down to verse 44. But of that day and hour, the day he's coming back, knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day the, that Noah entered the ark. In other words, he's saying they were living their normal lives. Life was normal before Noah entered the flood. It says in verse 39, And knew not till the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man shall be. Then shall two be in the field, the one taken, the other one left. Think about it, we're going to meet the Lord in the air, one taken, the other one left. No, let one saved, one left to condemnation. Verse 41, two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one taken, the other left. Same thing. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. 
But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now discussing that there one shall be left and the other taken, a good explanation of that is over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And you begin reading there in verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So right there it's telling us, one to be taken to meet the Lord in the air, the other left for condemnation. And that does not mean that the earth is still going to be in existence. That means we're not, they're not going to meet the Lord in the air. They're going to meet him in judgment. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 18, look at verse 8. Luke 18, 8. It says there, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? That's a very serious question. If the Lord comes this year, have we put God first, and will he find us faithful? Will he find us faithful? What happens when the Lord returns? 2 Peter 3, 3 through 12. 2 Peter 3, 3 through 12. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where's the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly, notice that word willingly, are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. You know we saw that in Matthew 24 when Jesus speaking about it there. But verse 7 But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Right there, just simply saying, God's not boxed in by time. Time means nothing to God. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, <clears throat> not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then he's going to describe a little more about what's going to happen that last day. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In other words, we don't know when it's coming. And it says, In the which the heavens shall pass away, the earth's atmosphere and the heavens where the planets are going to pass away. It's going to perish. With a great noise, the great noise there, you look that word up in the Greek, it means whizzing with a great crash. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. 
all the elements, that from which all things have come, that from which God made all things as he created the elements and then those things are all put together by him. Oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, etc., etc. What's going to happen to the elements? They will melt with fervent heat. And then it says the earth also, so the earth will melt with fervent heat, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. All the works that men have ever done are going to be gone. Why? Because everything is going to be destroyed. Verse 11. Seeing that these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation or living in godliness? In other words, since this is going to happen, why don't you put God first? All this is going to happen. So how should you live? Verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto, the American Standard says, earnestly desiring the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The word melt there is from the Greek word teko, which means to liquefy or destroy by melting. The earth, the entire earth and the universe are going to melt and be gone. Well, this could be the year that Christ comes back, so maybe you should put God first. There ain't no maybe about it. But then, he may not come this year, but this could be the year you die. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. In James four thirteen to 15. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. He says, Go to now, you that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Because we don't know when the day of our death is coming. In 1 Peter 24, excuse me, 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. It says, for all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Again, our lives dissipate so quickly. And you never know what's going to happen. So many things can happen. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, can we say, can I say, can you say what Paul said? Verse 6, For I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew he was about to die. 
we are one step closer every second to the day of our death. And we don't know when that day is. Verse 7. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. In going with our theme today, I put God first in my life. Henceforth, verse 8, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know, there could be some of us that are here today that will not be with us at the end of 2013, excuse me, 2023. I lost 10 years there, didn't I? At the end of 2023. Some of us that are here today won't be here then if the earth still stands. And then we'll face God in judgment. Revelation 20, verses 12 to 15. Revelation 20, verses 12, or 11 to 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were just out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. In other words, whether we put God first or not. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In other words, whosoever did not put God first in their life was cast into the lake of fire. So we asked the question, are you prepared for eternity? Are you ready for eternity now? If you live in 2023 like you did in 2022, will you go to heaven or hell if this is the year that determines your eternal destination? If you're not a Christian, start the year off right by obeying the gospel. If you're an unfaithful Christian, it's time to repent and rededicate your life to God today. If you're living a faithful life, keep it up because you need to put God first this year because this may be the year that determines your eternal destination. Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to Opening the Scriptures, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.